0: Welcome to The Gregory Digout Podcast. Well, we're living in some really difficult and challenging times, and we know the Bible says in the last days there will be all manner of negative things. And we're seeing so much negative news and negative experiences that people have. But God wants us to provide something to counteract what this world is offering, this world of negativity, this world of bad news, this world of fear, this world of anxiety. God has created hope for us and to bring to others as well. And God created faith and God created optimism. And there's there's enough pessimism in this world. There's enough negativity in this world. And it seems like the negative voices are louder than the positive voices. So we need to get louder. We need to. Tr- a trumpet from the rooftops. The Bible says shout it from the rooftops. What God has done for you. Shout it from the roof. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God created these forces of faith and optimism. God created these forces of positive energy, faith energy. When that woman touched the hem of his garment, literally faith energy went through Jesus body into that woman and healed her. It's time for us to be the force for good in this world. I'm committed to it, to looking for the good, remembering the good, expecting the good and being the good. God is so filled with positivity and this world is so filled with negativity that we have to counteract it. We have to we, we have we have the remedy. We have the antidote for what's going on in this world. We have the promises of God, he said. Think about it. God said all of his promises are yes in Christ Jesus in 2 Corinthians 121. He said, ask and you'll receive that your joy would be made full in John chapter 16, verse 24. I love what the New Living Translation says about this verse. Jesus said, ask using my name and you will receive and you will have abundant joy. Joy was God's idea. Abundance is God's idea. Asking and receiving is God's idea using his name is God's idea. And as I shared earlier, as we gave to the Lord today, he said he created all things richly for us to enjoy. In First Timothy, chapter six, verse 17, he created all things richly for us to enjoy. It says in the Amplified Bible there, but on God, put your hope on God who richly and ceaselessly provides us with everything for our enjoyment or the Phillips translation of that verse. Tell the rich not to rest the weight of their confidence on the transitory power of wealth, but on the living God who generously gives us everything for our enjoyment. I bet you never you never saw that in the Bible, did you? If you didn't read first Timothy chapter six closely, you see it's there. It's amazing. He gives us everything for our enjoyment. Joy and enjoyment was God's idea. It goes on to say, tell them to do good, to be rich in kindly actions, to be ready to give to others and sympathize with those in distress. Boy, in this world, you can do both. You can you can have you can have positivity and you can do good and you can be a blessing and you can celebrate and enjoy life. But you can also have sympathy and empathy for those that are in distress as well. That's the balance that we can walk in. But negativity seems to be louder in these days than faith and hope and love. Remember, God said faith, hope and love abide in these three. And the greatest is love. The reason there's so much anxiety and negativity in this world is because there's such a lack of love, there's such a lack of empathy, there's such a lack of of truly trying to understand what somebody else is going through. We have to be bigger people than what's happening in our world. We have to be the bigger person in our relationships. We have to be the bigger person. When we feel hurt, we have to be the bigger person when something negative happens. It's our responsibility in this life as believers, as sons and daughters of God. And I'm going to give you quickly five reasons that you can be full of faith and positivity and optimism in these days that we're living in. But we have to remember that in life It's our responsibility what attitude we bring to life. It's our responsibility what energy we bring to life. We can bring positivity and faith energy or we can bring negativity and fear, anxiety filled energy. Sadly, in so many ways, in so many ways, life has become one person's pain talked about to another person who's hurt and their hurt causes other hurt. And everybody who's hurt hurts everybody else. And we have to realize that we can do something about this. We have something to bring to this world. You have something special. You wouldn't have made it this far if God did not want you in this world at this time for this reason, because you're carrying the DNA of victory, you're carrying the DNA of love, you're carrying the DNA of faith, you're carrying the DNA of hope, you're carrying the DNA of optimism and positive faith filled energy. And we've got to bring that into this world because it's already full of negativity. We don't want to pile onto that. We want to counteract it. We have the antidote for it. But we need to realize the times that we are living in. There's a scripture that uh, I've come to know in First Chronicles, Chapter 12, it says, and the sons of Issachar were men who understood the times with knowledge of what Israel should do. I think. We could learn a lot from this passage of scripture that God says these sons of Issachar, they understood the times they were living in and they had knowledge of what the people of God should do in the middle of those dark times. And in these dark times that we're living in, we need to know what to do about it. We need to know why we can have faith today, why we can have hope today. We need to know that no matter what's going on in our lives, that God is up to something bigger. And I want to share with you, as I said, these five simple reasons to have faith, to have hope, to have optimism today. Number one, the number one reason that you can have hope today, the number one reason you can keep going, even though you feel like giving up, is God hears you. God hears you. God hears your cry. Love what he says in Psalm 116. Verse one, I love the Lord because he heard me. I talked about why we love him last time we were together, but I I want to give you another reason why we can love the Lord. He said, I love the Lord because he heard me. He heard my cry. He inclined his ear to me. God's leaning in when we pray. God's leaning in when we look to him. God's leaning in no matter what we do, but he's listening to your prayer. He's listening to your cry. He hears your cry. He's listening to your pain. He's listening to what you're going through. Sometimes we just need somebody to listen to us. It makes us love somebody is that they're willing to listen to us and God listens to you. I know that we need to be people that listen to him. And I encourage you to be one who listens to the voice of God. But I want you to be encouraged today. He's also listening to you when no one else is listening. When no one else hears your cry, God hears it. When when your cry is so deep on the inside that you can't even put it in words, God hears it. When you're in so much pain, you don't know what you're going to do with it. You don't know how you're going to make it through. God hears that. God feels that he really does. And I think so much of the frustration in our lives, so much of the, fr- the frustration in our families, in our homes, in our country, in politics, in racial issues. It's because both sides talk, but neither feel heard. Both sides talk, but neither feel heard. And it's so important in a relationship that you need to make sure the other person feels heard. And I think God is the best at that. I know he is. He makes me feel heard. He makes me feel like he's listening and boy, that'll change your life. That'll make you happy. That'll give you joy. That'll give you It'll really give you love. It'll make you feel loved by God that he would listen to you. You know, somebody told me the other day, you know, they mentioned somebody by name and they said so and so is really I just realized so and so is really good at listening. They don't interrupt me. They don't cut me off. They just listen. And it makes me happy and it gives me a sense of confidence in that person. And I think we need to know that God's not cutting us off. God's not interrupting us except with his goodness. He's listening. The governor might not hear you. The mayor might not hear you. The president might not hear you. Your neighbor might not hear you, but God hears you. Well, there's something that calms my heart when I know that God hears me. That brings me hope. It brings me confidence. It brings me positive energy. I know God hears me, so I don't need to complain and whine to everybody else because I can complain and whine to him and he's okay with it and he's not mad about it. And he's leaning in. He's leaning into you. So you might as well lean back into him. Right. He's leaning in to listen, lean in to speak to him, lean in to spend time talking to God, to spend time expressing yourself to him, no matter how ugly you might think. What you have to say is you should know that God already knows it. You're already thinking it. He already knows it. And he loves the honesty and the transparency and the intimacy that comes from giving you a platform in his life to share whatever you're feeling. And he hears you and he listens. It leaves me to the next thing that gives me hope and gives me faith and gives me optimism today, no matter how dark it looks. It gives me light and optimism and faith and hope. Jesus is touched by your feelings. Jesus is touched by my feelings. You see, it gives me great faith and great optimism, and it makes me encouraged to know that he hears me, but it also encourages me to know that he feels me. Jesus not only hears you, but he feels you. He's touched by your feelings and he feels what you're going through. In fact, it says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, that we do not have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things. He said, we don't have a high priest that doesn't have empathy. We don't have a high priest that doesn't understand. We don't have a high priest that is his ears are dull. We don't have a high priest whose arms are too short to save, whose ears are too dull to hear. We don't have a high priest that that just is hard hearted towards you and towards the distress you're in or the depression you're in or the discouragement you're facing or the dilemma that you're in the middle of. We don't have a high priest that ignores us. We don't have a high priest that is mad at us. We don't have a high priest that doesn't have time with us for for us. He doesn't have time for us or want to spend time with us. We have a high priest who has feelings and he feels what you feel. He hears you and he feels you. I love what the and I shared this verse last week and been sharing it for really the last couple years. It's just really encouraged me that Isaiah forty two verse three says a bruised reed. He will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. I like what the New Living translation says there as well. He says he will not crush the weakest reed. Or put out a flickering candle, but he will bring justice to all who have been wronged, all who have been mistreated, all who have been hurt. He will bring justice. He will avenge you. Don't avenge yourself. Trust God in the message. Translation says he will not brush aside. He won't brush aside the bruised and the hurt. And he won't disregard the small and insignificant, but he'll steadily and firmly set things right. Have you felt small and insignificant at times? I've felt small and insignificant at times. I felt at times like how can I get much done? How can I change the world? What can what is my impact really making? And we need to realize that we all have that feeling sometimes that we're small or insignificant or bruised or brushed aside or ignored or not given attention to. That's why he's he hears you. He feels you. And here we have this promise that he will not disregard how you feel. He will not disregard how you've been hurt. Yes, we have to be tough and get back up when we fall and stumble and when people mistreat us, we got to love anyway. But he feels what you feel. He feels you. And he won't be stopped, the Bible says and goes on to say in this passage, he won't be stopped. He won't tire out and quit. He won't stop until he's finished his work to set things right on Earth. Whatever is not right, God's going to set it right. He feels you. There's injustice in this world. There's imbalances in this world. There's unfairness in this world. There's mistreatment in this world. Welcome to the world. But we have a God who is bigger than that. We have a God who is more powerful than that. We have a God who can make up to you for all of that. If any person in your life has ever done you good, that's evidence that God will do even better. And if anyone in your life has done you bad, that is an opportunity and an invitation for God to turn it into something good. Believe that today and you'll find yourself in this place of hope and this place of happiness and faith. Number three, the third reason to have optimism today, I just think that's a word that we don't use a lot in churches. We think optimism is some sort of Norman Vincent Peale thing or some sort of Tony Robbins thing. Or we think optimism is just some sort of secular worldly thing. And it's optimism means expecting the good. It means having an unflappable confidence and an unflappable assurance that good things are going to come no matter how it looks. Pessimism is the assurance that whatever can go wrong is going to go wrong. And whenever something's going good, it's going to go bad quick. But optimism is the opposite. No matter how bad it is, it's going to get better. The Bible promises God promises that the path of the righteous gets brighter and brighter, gets better and better until the full day. The third thing that gives me real optimism. That my mistakes and my failures cannot outlast God's patience and grace, your failures and your mistakes cannot outlast God's patience and grace. Did you hear me? Your failures and your mistakes cannot outlast God's patience and his grace, his patience and his grace will outlast your failures and mistakes. His patience and his grace will outlast your failure. Some of you aren't listening to me. Listen to me. (laughs) His patience and grace will outlast. It will outlast your failures and your mistakes. Believe this with every fiber in your being. Second Peter, chapter three, verse eight says, Beloved, do not let this one thing escape your notice with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. And then he says the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some consider slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but for everyone to come to repentance. God's patience is going to outlast your mistakes. I love what he says in the message Bible here. Honestly, this is my favorite version of this of this particular verse. He says, don't overlook the obvious here, friends with God. One day is as good as a thousand years and a thousand years as a day. And then he says, God isn't late with his promises. Some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you. He is holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. Wow. Listen to what he says. He's restraining himself from coming back to this earth like Jesus is coming a second time. But God's restraining himself, it says on account of you, on account of me on account of the lost souls that we're believing for your family members that we're believing to be saved, your loved ones that we're believing for them to be saved, your coworkers, your neighbors, the lost, the hurting, the broken. We're believing for them to be saved. The ignorant, those that have not heard the good news, we're believing for them to be saved. You're wondering why isn't God come back? Why has not God fixed all this? Why isn't God come and put set it all straight like you said he would? It's because he is patient. It's because this verse said he's restraining himself on account of you. I need some space and time to change. You need some space and time to change. There are a lot of people in this world. Every person in this world needs space and time to change. It says he's restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end. Because he doesn't want anyone lost, he's giving everyone space and time to change. I wonder if we just changed our perspective today and decided, you know what? I'm not going to be in a hurry. I'm not going to compare and worry because God has given me space and time to change. God is patient with me. If you could get a hold of this today, God is patient with you. You'd be more peace. It doesn't mean you you have to stay the same. You have to stay down or stay defeated. It means you don't have to be in a hurry to fix it all. You don't have to be in a hurry be in a hurry. Because what if God finds me in this condition? He already knows you're in this condition. That's why he's restraining himself from the end, because he wants everyone to be saved. He wants everyone to have a chance. He wants everyone to be given enough space and time to change. Whoo. God's patience has really changed my life. I never really understood it. I'm just starting to now. But I got to tell you, The first description of love in the Bible, when the great passage of scripture in first Corinthians chapter 13 is the the famous verse about love. The first description of love is love is love is patient. Love is patient. Love is patient and kind. And God is love. So God is patient and he's kind. Give yourself some space and time to change. Give. Your spouse, give your kids give your parents, give your friends, give your neighbors, give the person that you're at work with or mad about, give them some space and time to change space for some grace and for some time to change. Boy, God, if you think anybody would be impatient, be like, okay, I've given you a chance. I've given chance a chance. You got one last opportunity. If you don't take it, I'm done with you. No, he's patient and he's playing the long game for your sake. And thank God he is, because if the game was called in the first quarter, the first half or the first three quarters, I'd be finished. And so would you. (laughs) But thank God that he's playing the whole game and he's not in a hurry. And he may call a few timeouts, too. And it seems like he's giving you a little extra time. (laughs) What a what a God, what a great God. We get to call our heavenly father. Woo! Please realize that God's patience and grace will outlast your mistakes and your failures. Number four, this is one we'll have to talk more about after today as well, but all of them are really good, right? God is doing something bigger than what you see. God is doing something bigger than what you see. So often we only see what's right in front of us, but we don't see the bigger picture. We only see what We can see today. We don't see tomorrow. We don't see next year. We don't see the next five years. We don't see the last five years. We don't see how far God brought us. You know, it's funny how when somebody goes through a physical change through whether it's through age or through any cosmetic thing they do in their life, we 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 sure notice it when we haven't seen him in a while. We sure notice in our own self if we haven't seen ourselves in a while, if we haven't looked, go back and look at the old pictures of you and look today and you wouldn't real you'd realize, wow, I didn't see myself changing that much. But look at how much I did change. And I think that's how life is. When you see the bigger picture, you think nothing's happening. But if you step back and see the bigger picture and look from a, a bigger time, continuum or bigger time point of view, you'll see that life is happening for you, not to you. And God's doing something bigger than what you can see. He's working behind the scenes. Philippians chapter one, verse 12 says, Paul said, But I want you to know, brethren, the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. The things that happened to me have actually turned out for me because Paul's life was lived to advance the gospel. And he said the things that have happened to me, even the bad things that have happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of God's good news. Boy, if we could really realize this, that God is doing something bigger than what we see, how we look at something is far more important than what we're looking at right now. God is working behind the scenes. God has a way of turning bad things into good. In Genesis 50, verse 20, you know what? When Joseph revealed himself to his brothers, they thought he was going to they thought he was going to kill them to revenge, to have revenge on them. And what does the Bible say? Joseph said he saw things. He saw that God was working behind the scenes. He saw that God was doing something bigger than what he saw, bigger than what his brothers saw. His brothers were throwing him in a pit or his brothers were throwing in selling him into slavery. But God was elevating him into his purpose. And Joseph understood that. And that's why he said you meant evil. I'm not going to hurt you guys. He said, to his, I'm not going to hurt you because you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. You see, in life, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. Every one of us are going to have pain. Pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. We choose if we're going to let our pain imprison us or if we're going to let our pain power us through into our purpose. We free ourselves from suffering if we're willing to stop struggling to have a a pain free life and start accepting the pain in our life and use that pain to turn into power, use that pain as a signal to pray, use that pain as a signal to heal, use that pain as a signal to have empathy for others. Think about that. If we use that pain to go to God and turn to him for his purpose, if we use that pain as a signal to go to God as a signal to heal ourselves, to take a moment and heal or longer than a moment, if we use pain as a signal to tell us that other people are hurting as much or worse than we are we would really use pain and our pain would become power so trust god to take whatever's happening in your life and make it better that's what romans 828 is all about that's what we started saying earlier this year that we're going to romans 828 things we're going to we got to romans throw romans 828 at everything in our life we know that god causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to according to his purpose. Everything that seems to be falling apart in your life is actually falling in place. Everything that feels like it's falling apart is actually falling in place. All, the only thing that really matters is to trust God with the bigger picture. He's doing something bigger than what you see. Believe in his bigger purpose for your life. Believe in bigger. Think bigger. Believe bigger. Invite God into your process. Invite God into your situation right now. Ecclesiastes, chapter three, verse eleven, one of my favorite verses as well. In the New King James Bible, he says he makes everything. God makes everything beautiful in its time. He makes everything beautiful in his time. It's not all beautiful right away. It takes time. But look at how God does things. Look at when you let God get involved, look at when you look at the bigger picture and realize God's doing something bigger than what you see. He takes us from law to grace. He takes us from sin to righteousness. He takes us from sickness to healing. He takes us from defeat to victory. He takes us. See, God is all about things getting better and better in every area of your life, every area of your life. He goes from Old Testament to New Testament, Old Covenant to New Covenant. He goes from the curse to the blessing from sin to righteousness, from sorrow to joy, from night to day, from winter to summer. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse eight says better is the end of the thing rather than the beginning. Might not start out good, but it's going to end better. And Haggai chapter two, verse nine says the latter days of this house shall be greater than the former. I prophesy to you Your next days are going to be greater days than you've ever had. The coming days are going to be the greater days and they're going to keep getting better because that's just how good God is. And when you realize how good God is, when you understand his nature, his character, he is love, he is good. It's impossible for him to do you harm. It's impossible for him to be mad at you. It's impossible for him to take out his wrath on you when he already took it on Jesus. You you'll begin to smile. You begin to wake up expecting things to get better. You'll begin waking up realizing that God's not measuring your life based on your mistakes and failures. His patience is going to outlast all of that. We have to stop defining ourselves and confining ourselves to our own weaknesses, to our own mistakes. We've got to stop confining ourselves, stop defining ourselves as by our mistakes and confining ourselves to the to the negative effect of our mistakes, because God can use those two to make our lives better. Wow. God is doing something bigger than what you see right now. And the fifth thing that makes me optimistic in the darkest days of life is that breakthroughs, breakthroughs and the light of revival, breakthroughs and light and revival are always on the other side of darkness. Morning is always on the other side of the darkest of night. Spring is always on the other side of the coldest winter. Healing is always on the other side of the deepest pain. Breakthroughs are always on the other side of the hardest seasons of our lives. You know, in Genesis chapter one, verse two, it says, God saw there was darkness covering the face of the deep, right? The earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. He actually said light be. In other words, the spirit of God was hovering over the darkness. But when God said light be, the Holy Spirit took the words that God spoke and brought light in the midst of darkness. And we're made in the image of God. We have the same power to call light out of darkness. In your darkest day, I want you to be encouraged today, be optimistic today, because breakthroughs are always on the other side of darkness, revival's always on the other side of darkness the decay of a culture and the decay of a society. Revival is always on the other side. We have a society that has truly decayed around the world. In many ways, the church in some ways is holding the world together. But really, the church is failing sometimes and God is holding it together with his word. But there is a revival on the other side of death. There is a resurrection on the other side of a seed going into the ground. What seems like a sacrifice to put the seed that you only have to eat, you put it in the ground. It grows over time. On the other side of famine is a harvest when we plant seed on the other side of confusion and trouble. There is peace on the other side. If you just realize that God has given us the power to speak words over our lives that prophesy life out of darkness, life, light out of darkness and life where there's been death say to these dry bones. He told Ezekiel, you say to these dry bones, dry bones live. We got to start talking to the things in our life that are dead or that are dark or that are telling us they're dead. And we got to talk back to those things, because on the other side of death, when your words speak life, on the other side of death is going to be a resurrection and the rattling of the bones coming together and putting uh, an army in place for you because you believed And you had hope and you had confidence that on the other side of what you're facing right now is a breakthrough. A breakthrough is always on the other side of darkness and revival is always on the other side of whatever looks dead in your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your promises, that your word is true, that you hear us, that you feel us that you're doing something bigger than what we see, that you truly want to bring the breakthrough that we've needed and we have the power to bring it with our words. Give every person hope today, give every person faith today that good things are going to come out of bad, that you, Father, are going to turn it around for good, that you make everything beautiful in your time, Lord that you're working right now behind the scenes, that you're patient towards us. I pray for those that feel like you're against them, that they would realize how patient you are with them. Those that have given up on themselves or given up on others, I pray that they would realize you're patient with them and you're not giving up on us and you're not giving up on our family and you're not giving up on our dreams. So we're not giving up in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, I want you to This is your moment. This is your hour. This is your finest hour. This is your finest moment. What better time to be saved than now? Pray this and invite Jesus into your life. If you've never done it before, just say, Jesus, just say that out loud. Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you love me and I believe that you save me by your grace. Just say that. I believe you save me by your grace. I believe it in Jesus name. Amen. Now, if you pray that prayer, the Bible calls this experience. You being born again, you being saved, you becoming a part of the family of God, you are now a child of God. You are now his son or daughter. And I want to encourage you to reach me today. Uh, by going to our website, clicking on the link that might be in the comments section or go to our website, LifeChangesChurch.com and, and go for the salvation book, The Power of a New Life. It's absolutely free. You can download it anywhere in the world and is my gift to you. And it's the next steps of this journey. And one of the next steps is to be right back here. Same time, same location, wherever you're watching from at our next Sunday service. I can't wait to see you then or any time during the week and even during the week to think like a champion. We'd love to see you there as well. Have a beautiful day. If you need anything, you reach out to us because we are here for you.